All right, um, we are on uh, the second to last chapter of the Sefer, page 191, chapter 3 of section 7. So, this is actually, I think, a very underrated chapter. I think it's, uh, it's actually, a, it's a very, very important. I don't think, you know, it's already the end of the Sefer, you, you know, you're ready to move on. He's so busy with all the other things he recommends, probably. You know, busy with your Musavad and your Cheshbon HaNefesh and your Halacha say this. You probably don't have time for this, but it's, it's very important because the truth is it's something that we all are involved and engaged in. And yet if we can uh, utilize it and do it properly, I think uh, there's tremendous benefit. So he says there's two emotional needs that people have that seem to be opposite. But uh, they seem to be opposite things, but ultimately they can lead to the same problems, the same pitfalls. Number one is excitement. People need excitement. And number two is people need menucha, they need uh, downtime, a vacation, right? People need both things. They're opposite emotions, they're opposite uh, activities, but both of them can lead to a very serious problem. So first of all, he says like this. Why is excitement important? What's the idea? So he says, a person's basic emotional drive is ambition. This is a very important thing. We always, right, we always want to do more. We always want to go, an animal is very happy, it's sitting there eating from the, eating his food. He's very happy, he doesn't have to do anything. As long as he has his basic needs uh, fulfilled, he's, he's a menucha. A person is never happy. A person's always doing and always trying to accomplish goals. There's a drive in a person that doesn't let him sit, that doesn't let him just relax. He always wants to accomplish, right? And when we actually reach that point, or we're about to reach that point, that's, that's excitement. There's that adrenaline, there's that, there's that you know, reaction of, I'm accomplishing something, right? So, uh, so if we're un- and, and this, by the way, has to do with our economic well-being also. You know, we spoke about this in earlier that, like, you know, if a person, uh, if I give you a blank check and I say, uh, build a house, right? Build a house, your dream house, whatever you want. Every amenity, a fancy, whatever, right? You build it and you put in everything you want. And then a few weeks later, your neighbor goes ahead and builds a house, but uh, he's already a few weeks past you, right? And he has a few additional things. You're going to be miserable in your house, right? <laughs> It's, it's, you know, the, the idea of ambition is often a relative term, right? It's like, you, you, it's how much you're accomplishing clapped by other people, right? And that's what drives the economy, right? If people were content, Shem Shem Pika said a great vart, there's a medrash, one of these medrash about Alexander, how he heard about this wonderful country, and he heard that the king of this country is Mamish, a, a mishpat of MS, and he's a great king, so he wanted to go check it out. So he travels across the world, and he goes to this king, and, uh, and he asked the king, you know, I heard you're this amazing king, you know, this, uh, what do you do? So he says, come sit down and watch me, uh, watch me uh, hold court. So the case comes before him. Um, and there's two people, one of them owns a field. The other one is a sharecropper, right? He would uh, work the guy's field for a percentage of the profits. And the sharecropper says, I was digging in the field and I came across a treasure chest. Right? Apparently there was a lot of treasure buried underground in the olden days. Right? This is a, right? and, uh, and they have a treasure chest. So, uh, but the problem is, it's not my field, even though I found it. But the treasure belongs to the owner of the field. Meanwhile, the owner of the field says, look, it's my field, but this guy without this guy wanted to found it. He found it, he should get it. And each one's fighting that the other one should get it. So, uh, so the king turns to Alexander and says, first of all, before I issue my ruling, what would, what would you say? So Alexander says, but what would I say? I said, I'll kill them both and take the money for the, uh, for the government, for the king. So the king says, no, he says, you have a son, you have a daughter marry them to each other, and then give them the, the treasure as the, the dowry. Okay, you know, Torah about, you know, he was trying to bring out this idea of Hanukkah, right? How, you know, Shabbos is Hashem, you know, Rishchidosh is Klai Yisrael, and Bris Mila is the Bris, you know, okay, fine. But uh, he said as a side point, it was very cute, he says, what was, what was Alexander thinking? Was he some nutcase? Well, like, these guys kill them and take the money? You know, Alexander, you know? You know, usually, you know, he was a philosopher, he was a smart guy, right? 
So he said, he says that a, a ruler of a country knows that what makes the economy work, what makes the world go round, is people that are motivating, right? they have, they're pursuing their self-interest, right? Adam Smith, right? Free markets. People, they want to they accomplish, they want to make money. So if people don't want to make money, your whole economy falls apart. If you have a whole country full of people that have no ambition, your economy falls apart. There's no one working, there's no one investing, there's no, right? everyone's going to work for, how, at the end of the day, how long, you, how long could you work to actually support yourself on basic necessities? Work for two hours a day and that's it. A country can't survive. If the, each one doesn't want the money, Says, you know, says we got to get rid of them because that's gonna that will destroy a country. Ambition. This is these are this is what we're made of. This is why you see people doing, you know, crazy goals, which we'll talk about in a minute, right? People set their goals to, you know, and they, they want to travel, they want to accomplish and climb Mount Everest, etc. If we're unexcited about our normal job or lifestyle, it's either because we're not successful. When you're successful, you tend to be excited about it, or because we don't view the content of our activities as fulfilling. As fulfillment of ourselves, right? You're working as a random job. This is not me. I'm just doing this because I need money. This is not exciting for me. We're on page 191, right? So mastering a complex musical piece is exciting for the person who sees his life as music, right? It's a great, right? But for someone that doesn't have anything about music, and I tell you here, learn this, uh, you know, Beethoven's uh, Third Symphony, right? Fifth is a cliche that everyone, you know, that's a, right? Third is a ninth. Um, right, it's going to be it's a big pain in the neck, right? But if you're a music guy, then you know you're accomplishing. So when you're working and your work is you know in some random industry that you're not actually seeing any real benefit, right? There's a certain lack of uh, right. So the same is true about Yiddishkeit. It's not enough to just do it. If a person doesn't realize his self through ruchnius, if you don't realize the things that you're doing is the fulfillment of yourself, then uh, that's it. You're going to accrue some mitzvahs, but you never it's never going to become a part of you, right? It's never the 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 mitzvah is going to be missing. He says from the Torah Samincha, he says, uh, he says that when, uh, he says, Yaakov traded uh, the Becher for Esav. He's like, Yaakov Becher ripped him off, right? That was a terrible thing, right? Esav sells his Becher for, uh, for a bowl of lentils. He says, what was Yaakov doing? That's not right. That's uh, not right. He's, uh... But he says, you know, if I, if I have tickets to the ballet, right? And, uh, and, and I had this real uh, snooty, you know, uh, guy, and he has tickets to the, to the Rangers game, right? I said, you want to switch, right? It's a fair trade. Aye, the Rangers game, is tickets are $100, and the ballet is $400. But for me, I don't want to go there, right? So for Yaakov Avinu, Bechaira, and uh, this, is, this is what's valuable. For Esav and Ezed Adashim is what's valuable. He's living in a physical world, right? So this imposes upon us the obligation to develop some spiritual areas that have the potential to become exciting, right? So we need, there's the basic excitement of Yiddishkeit, of course, but we also need to make Yiddishkeit exciting for us. It's important. We need to find things that are mutter, because otherwise, we're going to be looking for excitement because we're not having excitement in our, in our, in our day-to-day ruchnias. And so we're going to start looking out there for excitement. And that's, we have to find things within Yiddishkeit. If we find our excitement somewhere else, we are entering a world that is not our world. Right? We're, what are the things that excite you? If the things that excite you are, you know, again, you know, professional sports, let's just use that as an example, even though I'm not, uh, this is not a professional sports, right? That means that that's the world you're in. This is the world of professional sports. You're the world of, you know, the 10th grade Rebbe cliche of the monkeys wearing pajamas, you know. I, I'm going to say, like, there's, this is, the things that excite you are the things that you're in, right? You get excited about things that are a part of you. And if you're getting excited about, you know, A, B, and C, that means that's your world. Your world is the world. If you're getting excited about food, then you're in the world of the Nizir Adashim. And you would gladly trade Elam Haba for a Nizir Adashim, because that's your world. 
Right? And so, of course, it's always important for us to try to grow in Ruchnius and, and try to make Ruchnius part of our role. It's a lifelong uh, thing. But even when we need excitement, because again, the mundane day-to-day world, we, need to, we should try to find it in areas that are Ruchnius. There are many Ruchniistic endeavors that can generate excitement, depending on your personality. Different types of learning, right? Maybe an interesting uh, share, an interesting podcast, you know, history, davening for brangans, reaching out to visiting old people in nursing homes, you know, bikuchaylim, right? Improvements, right? Working with youth, hatzala, communal administration, askanas, right? More. A person must find the areas that excite him and leads to the accomplishments of Shem Shemayim, right? Again, if you want to just follow Rabbi Weinberg's status, you'll get, uh, you know, there's a list of exciting things that are within Yiddishkeit. You know, you're finding things that are, you know, one of the things that I always I talk about by night say, because of Aaron, we used to talk about it a lot. I've tried to, I think I mentioned it here once, we tried to implement it. You know, every year, you know, every couple of months I wake up and we're going to try to do it again. I've never really accomplished it. Is the idea of, of Chevres, right? This is, if you look back in the shtetl, right, the, the, the basic framework was you had Chevres. This was, everyone was grouped into chevras, and a lot of chevras had their own shul, they had their own minion, right? And let's say you had the chevra lemde mishnayis, right? In America, you still had in the olden days, and I was growing up, so you still had the chevra lemde mishnayis, right? There was chevra that would learn mishnayis, the chevra in Yaakov, right? They would learn in Yaakov, and they had their own Shabbos, and you know, every once a year they would like raise money for this chevra, and this chevra, they were the people that learned mishnayis, and that gave them an identity within the shtetl, right? The highest, you know, uh, the, the most chash of a chevra, the hardest to get into, like you had the yarsh in it, was the chevra kadisha. Right? That's what it was called. Kadisha. It was the Chevra that dealt with the Mason. That was the hardest Chevra to get into. That was, you know, considered. But it gave you an identity within the community. Right? What did he say? Everybody's dying together. Everyone's dying together. Very funny. I think it's still today. Chevra Kadisha has like, there's some political, uh, you know. But in other words, it gives you an identity in a Ruchniistic way. Something, right? It's, it's, your, it's something within a larger framework, a larger community, and you're finding meaning and you're finding Chavashaf there. And you're, you know, we tried that by nice idea, you know, to have like the Chaveirim guys in the Chevra. It's hard. We do have it in, 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 to an extent, you know, some people, we have Chaveirim and Atzala and Chai Lifeline, right? But, you know, it's not as, uh, back then it was, it was Mama was like a whole thing. Your chevra was like a very important part of your identity. But to find areas, excitement, that's, that's, that's within a ruch and you stick a realm. Otherwise, you end up running away on vacations or pursuing pleasure, pursuing the nezir adashim. And, and, uh, and, that's, not, and that's, that's a different world. It means you're exiting, as long as you're within the world of Ruchnius, right? So your excitement is coming from going on a Hatzalah call, right? Which is exciting, right? It's, and we, like, we sometimes poke fun, eh, that's all the machers. We used to call them the machers. No, but you're, you're finding your excitement within a mitzvah of, of a Pikuach HaFashis. It's an amazing thing, right? And it's very important to find the, the areas of excitement, to find the motivation, right? Whether it's in a Fabrengen, whether it's in a Kumzit, whether it's in a Gishmak Ashir or a lecture, if you're more intellectually inclined, you know, a trip to Europe, whatever it is, to find the excitement in an area of Ruchnius, right? It's, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, to go to, go to, to Poland, to Kivrei Tzadikim and, histor- and Jewish historical sites, instead of Antarctica. Was that too, uh, <laughs> too, uh, too political, right? Like <laughs> what? Sounds like your pity didn't get invited. I didn't get invited. Yeah, I tried. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> right? But again, it's, it's, giving your, it's giving your excitement. It's, it's leaving you in the world of Ruchnius. It's leaving you in the world of Ruchnius. You're getting excited. Okay, even though the excitement maybe is external, right? It's the party, Shabbat. But no, but you're part of that Ruchnius sticker world. And it's showing these are the things. And again, with the kids, it's the same way to try and, you know. Uh, again, this is, this is such an important thing because we spend so much time, you know, and this is an American thing, right? We have need the fun and the splash. That it should be in the area of, of Ruchnius is very important. The second area is the relief. Everyone needs a little, uh, you know, we need to we need we need let it out, right? We have, uh, it's an overlapping, right? We have stress. 
right? We need to just relax. Working hard, life is hard, we need a vacation. So he says, he gives three criteria for what kinds of things a person, what kind of reliefs a person should pursue. Number one is, they have to add something. Right? To just run after some you know, relief that doesn't bring any positive, is not a good thing, right? Just completely mundane, completely you know, worthless. You walk out with just, you, it was just a waste of time, you know? Number two is they don't become addictive. Right? This is very important. To not to, you know, I, when I asked Ivan about buying my kids a, like a Nintendo and these kinds of things, he was just concerned that you know, something which is meishich is a very bad thing. Right? Things which are meishich a person, then that's never good. And number three is they don't demand time or resources that detract from the main functions. Right? You have to look at them as extras. Right? That when, the, when the leisure time and the menucha becomes your main occupation, then we have a problem. Right, so he says, think about jogging, hiking, biking, playing ball, swimming, right, those are all physical, you're getting physical exercise, very few people get addicted to, to, to jogging, you know, I, I, I know there are people, that these bikers, that like, maybe they're addicted a little bit, but for the most part, right, and, uh, and again, if you're, as long as you're reasonable, it's not going to take up too much time, reading, playing an instrument, right, various crafts, Right? These activities provide a needed break and contribute to the person's health and or knowledge, right? And so there's a benefit, there's a physical benefit, an emotional benefit, you're gaining something. And again, it's not gonna, you won't get too carried away, right? But he says, but there's also a dark side here, right? In the shadows, loom activities that are gateways to hell. These include drinking, gambling, video games, social media, aimless internet surfing, and excessive shopping. He says it's euphemistically called retail therapy, as if, you know, therapy, right? There's, I deliberately left out pornography because I want to focus on things that are mutter, right? The common denominator of all these activities is that they contribute nothing to the person's well-being and tend to become addictive. If a person is very stressed and he turns to one of these activities as an escape, he'll spiral out of control and lose himself. It's like a narcotic and psychologically, right, this is the, the whole uh, addiction, uh, you know, uh, industry field, right? These are become almost, it's almost like a drug, right? Psychologically, the addiction in the brain is, is, is the same. So when you're in Kailal, you know, these activities might beckon to you. Obviously, these, you can have a Kailal young man who's involved in all these vices for sure. But generally speaking, your social structure doesn't have as many opportunities. You're not in that world, right? A young man, he says, does feel a little out of place sitting in a casino. Although he says in parentheses, although with it a little mysterious nefesh, he can do it in Kailal also. You know, he could, uh, he could overcome his... Uh, but after Kailal, when it becomes part of real society and you're going to shows in Las Vegas, I'm like, this is part of it, right? He says you're joining a chevra for some real fun, right? So then there's nothing stopping you. So this is, right? He says, interestingly enough, some of these activities, he says, start off, they provide excitement, right? So you're looking for excitement and say there's a rush, right? There's an adrenaline rush. And then you have, uh, then you end up becoming addicted and then you get the stress. And what do you do when you're stressed out? Well, then you, you know, you go to get the gambling and like this vicious cycle of like making you feel good and bad, right? You do it, you feel great. Then afterwards you feel terrible. So then what do you do when you're stressed out? You know, this guy, uh, what's the, the smoking book? Alan Carr, right? He has this book about, the famous book about smoking. So he says, that, you know, they have, they made a law in Europe that you have to have these like pictures of like black lungs on the boxes of smoking and these huge warnings. He says that was the greatest marketing for the cigarette companies because what do you do when you see it? You get stressed out that, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. What do you do when you're stressed out? You pull out a cigarette. This is a great marketing. He says, there's no place that there are more cigarette butts than outside the oncology ward. You know, this is in England, I guess, when you can smoke indoors, you know. But, uh, right, because again, these are activities which are really, you know, they provide everything, right? They provide the relief and the excitement and it's just very, very addictive. He says, the more stressed out a person is, the more he sees escape, the more escape, the less he's dealing with the issues, he's not dealing with the underlying issues. The cool ending is now that a wife has to deal with both the stressful chinuch, right? Because now the kids, what do you say about, you know, look at the father's, uh, look at him, the financial, right? He's, right? And health issues, a drunken husband who is incapacitated, emptied out his bank account at a casino. Many times she just has to deal with her parents, 
her telling her to get div- to divorce her worthless husband, and her in-laws who are blaming her for what happened to their wonderful son. He said, I wish I was making this up, but I am not. Right? So again, these two areas are so important. The areas of excitement and leisure. Because again, for an America, this is rich people problems, right? When you're poor, you don't have these problems, right? You don't have the luxury of, of relaxing, of going on vacation, because you'll starve to death. And you don't, can't afford the excitement, and there wasn't that much, you know. But this is really, you know, if you want to talk about a real problem, the crux of our problem today, you know, this is really where it lies at. And when, you know, all the people that talk about Lakewood, yeah, they talk about money, excessive spending, it's, I don't think it's the excessive spending as much as it is, there is a lot of that, but there's the, the push for the exciting thing, right? The vacation and the food, and this is a big part of it. And to find the healthy and, and ruchniestika outlets for both, the productive ways of relaxing and, and, the, and, the, and the productive and healthy ruchniestika ways of being exciting, of being part of a world that gets excited over ruchnis. That doesn't mean excited over a dafkamar. That's a very hard thing. That's, you know, that's a madrega to be excited over a mitzvah like the, you know, like a, like the, like a, you know, like a, like a chash of a big tzaddik. But the idea that you should, your world should be the world of Yaakov Avinu, not the world of Esav. Your world should be the world where you're excited about dava ruchni, where the things that you're having fun with are, you know, you, you know you're, uh, you're going to Camp Simcha, you know what I mean? I just as an example, right? And that your leisure activities are done with, with seichel and they're done focusing on what am I doing and, and thinking beforehand, by the way. This is like where the Cheshman Efesh, you know, evaluating. You started a new, uh, a new activity, you know? And I, I recently, I got some nostalgia. Someone sent me an old video, a computer game that I used to play back in the day. I don't know if anyone was old enough to remember Mist. I don't remember Mist. The famous, most famous computer game. You know, and like my friend sent me an article about it, so I went on to my iPad and I downloaded it. Then to my 12-year-old son, and like, and my son came home from Yeshiva, I'm going to play Mist. Like, you know, that was like, it's too much, you know? Like, it's not, it's as simple, it's a strategy, a thinking, and Chachma, but like, you know, to think and, and to reevaluate and to, you know, and to evaluate constantly, you know, what, what's the, is this something which I'm getting too drawn into? Because look what he says next. He says, the Briskorov once called uh, someone from the Agudah to yell at him because he did something that got the Agudah in a difficult situation. So this, this guy is a Chavik Knesset, but then he knew that if he was going to start giving excuses, the Rav wouldn't be interested, right? He's not taking his excuses. So he said, Rav, you're right. What do I do to get out of the problem? Right? What do I do? How do I fix it? You know, be productive. Don't yell at me. Tell me what I should do. Right? That's like a classic answer. So the risk Rav said he gave him mashal. He said they used to have like these, these guilds, right? Like we have today, licensing guilds, you know, these cartels. You know, if you want to be a lawyer, you have to get approved by the bar. You want to be a doctor, you have to, you know, get approved by some... Uh... So he says, so a guy wanted to be a balagol, he wanted to be a taxi driver, he needed a license, right? So they went to the, uh, to the board and they started testing him if he knows how to... So he says, what happens, it says, if you're stuck in the mud? He says, you want to get it out, what do you do? So the guy says, you pull very hard on the wagon. The guy says, no, you pull hard, it's just gonna, it's gonna overturn the wagon. So the guy says, oh, no, you go to the back and you push it. He says, if you push it, it's just gonna, the pressure's just gonna make it sink deeper, right? So the guy says, all right, so what does an experienced Balagala do? What do I do? So he says, an experienced Balagala never allows himself to get into the mud swamp in the first place, right? In other words, you, you want a solution, yes, we'll have to deal with that at some point. But recognizing that a responsible person avoids these problems, that's, that's the definition of a Balagala. Right? Yes, dealing with crisis is important. But you're jumping from crisis to crisis. The experienced person has to know how to avoid these things. Right? This is the first line of defense. Don't get involved in something that offers so little in return. No intelligent person would invest in something with an 80% fail rate for a 1% profit. Right? So think about that. So many people have lost so much in these activities. Even if they have not totally destroyed their lives, their quality of life has become a fraction of what it was. Right? You think about like something like social media. 
right? If you think about the benefits that you get from social media, clape what you're losing just in terms of time and stress and anger and, and, and time and wasted time and, and your children's and your marriage, right? Think about it. What, what's the actual benefit? Oh, I need, it, I need it for work. How, what's your actual benefit, cost-benefit-wise, right? It's very little. It's, and, and probably you could accomplish those benefits through some other ways, you know? So that's the first thing, is avoid these problems. And that's not just like a kaba, it's, it's for real. We all have, you know, before activity start, we can all see ourselves sliding into things, recognize these issues and learn to avoid them. Number two is to seek help, the earlier the better. These life-draining activities are like a cancer, eminently treatable in the very early stages, and almost beyond help in the later stages. Therefore, we have to be aware of the early warning signs. If a person begins to feel a need to return to his activities at all costs, if it takes up a greater deal of his time, if he finds himself rationalizing that I need to relieve my stress, and now is the time to look for help before it uh, turns into a full-blown crisis. And uh, okay, so again, this is uh, again, it's, it's, it's at the end. It's at this, you know, uh, at this chapter that deals with these kinds of issues. But it's such a, it's such a, it's such a, like a, again, next week we'll kind of wrap it up and we'll ask the, the question that so many of these farm asked, which is what happened? Like how did we get here? You know, like a refer show. So the nineteen letters, you know, he has seventeen letters, and then the eighteen again. How did we get here? You know, what, 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 what was the mistake that led us here? But, but this is this is a huge one, and this is I think as may, maybe the most relevant, you know, and. and Imminent is, is excitement and leisure should be done in the proper way, and if we can utilize that, it's a, it's a game changer in our lives. All right.